turned me into a dog. Can you believe this? And you're invited too! Welcome to Saturday Morning Obscurities. I'm your co-host and sister, Melissa. I'm your co-host and brother, Jams. Welcome to the show where we look back on obscure kids' shows of yesteryear that you feel like only you remember. But this episode is a special Saturday Morning Giant where we focus on something more well-known that you're, you're sure you remember and many people around you remember as well. Saturday Morning Giant! Yeah, we're going to be talking about Phineas and Ferb today, a personal favorite. But before that, Jams, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good. Anything What's New Scooby-Doo with you? What's New Scooby-Doo with me is that last night I was browsing around Disney Plus, mm-hmm. and I, I had intended to get around to watching Raya and the Last Dragon, but then I thought, nah, do I have a whole movie's worth of energy in me? Maybe. And then I I landed on watching a show instead, and then I watched, like, several episodes of the show. I did have movie energy in me. I could have watched (laughs) Raya and the Last Dragon. But instead, what I watched was Earth to Ned. Earth to Ned? What is that? It came out sometime last year. It's produced by uh, the Jim Henson Muppet Workshop. (laughs) By the Jim Henson. (laughs) Have you heard of him? Yeah. It's uh, an alien who is sent to Earth to destroy it, and instead he becomes fascinated with pop culture, and instead he just hosts a talk show from his orbiting spaceship, and he keeps, like, beaming celebrities up there to to be interviewed by him. I think I remember this. This is a a live-action puppet show, right? Yes! It's got some of the best puppets I've ever seen. Ned is amazing. He's Ned. He's huge. <laughs> he's so big. And How like he's big? behind a he's behind a desk, you know, so you don't see below like his his belt buckle. He's wearing a very cool costume also. But he's mm-hmm. he's huge. Like you see him next to the celebrity guests. So like that's how tall he is compared to Paul Shear and Paul Shear is tall. So he's one he's at least one Paul Shear? More than one Paul Shear. Well, More than know. one Paul Shear. He's a lot like in the way he moves is so fluid. I'm like, I would if I didn't know better, you know, if I'd never heard of Jim Henson and his amazing creature workshop, I thought this this may have been a digital effect. Like the movements are so smooth. So hmm. it, it's a funny show. I learned about it because it was there's a bunch of podcasters I listen to who have been on the writing staff like Jordan Morris and Nick Weiger and Eliza Skinner. So I've heard this oh. plugged a bunch over my last year of podcast listening, I finally sat down and watched it. It is very funny and charming. And boy, it's just good to see a big puppet. <laughs> Sometimes it's just really refreshing to, you know, wake up in the morning and open up your window and see a really big puppet. God, I lo- well, I love puppets of any size, but a big puppet, that's something <laughs> oh. special. I love big puppets. What a treat. That's cool. I'll have to check that out. It's on, mm. what is that streaming on? It's Disney Plus. Oh, okay, cool. Easy peasy. Nice. How about you? What's what's new Scooby-Doo with yourself? Uh, I have been reading one of the biggest books I've been reading in a in a. I've been reading one of the l- biggest books I've read in a long time. Uh-huh. Eh, still a graphic novel. I haven't okay. touched prose in years. But this is a 500-something page 
graphic novel called On a Sunbeam by Tilly Walden. Oh. oh. And this came highly recommended uh, from my friend Casey, who gives me all the best uh, graphic <laughs> novel recommendations. And it's just kind of like a queer lesbian like space odyssey kind of oh nice it like takes place about uh this girl that started working at a construction company in space where they just kind of go to these like floating uh like buildings and like refab them and uh kind of like fix stuff and it's telling that story alongside the story of like her falling in love in high school and oh it's just kind of like really cute and really nice. And like it's it, the world is so like well made. The art in this book, the way they do space is very like, I don't know, very interesting. It's not just space and planets and stuff like that. It's confusing almost looking at it like, oh, I guess, <laughs> yeah, that's how an earth would work if it was, you know, hollow or what have you. Wow. Um, but yeah, the way they do like do, do art, do planets, do architecture in this is very interesting and very fun. And the characters are very rich. That's good. So yeah, I recommend uh, On a Sunbeam by Tilly Walden. Nice. But we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about no. your personal favorite. Yes. Fin- Phineas yeah. and Ferb. <laughs> you surprised me with this. This was your idea because this episode's going to come out around my birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- birthday. thank you for, for the birthday treat, getting mm-hmm. to talk about my favorite show. Yeah. Do you want to talk about your history with it? Yeah, this show, um, uh, to steal one of your facts from our upcoming mm-hmm. facts segment, this came out in 2007, and I, I was My aware facts. of it as... <laughs> no. Taking them, they're mine. I, I was aware of it as a kid's show, and I wasn't interested in it at first. To be honest, I found the character designs a little off-putting, because they're... Uh, our lead character, Phineas, his head is a triangle, Mm-hmm. And then, like, his sister Candace, her head is, like, she's got, like, this super long neck and just, like, a big circle head. Like, it, Ferb, he's kind of shaped like the letter F. Like, the, I found the character designs really odd. I didn't know if I wanted to look at them. And then it was just, like, some random person I was following on Tumblr in, like, 2010 who was saying... Yeah, I know I'm college age, and I don't have, like, little siblings to watch this with, but Phineas and Ferb is amazing. Like, this show is so funny. Why did I write this off as kid stuff? So then I started watching it, and I'm like, whoever that person was is right. This one rogue (laughs) post that passed my dashboard changed my life. Phineas and Ferb is, I think, definitely my favorite family cartoon. What Probably in my top... Five or ten shows of any kind. It's mm-hmm. very funny, really inventive, and and so sweet. This is a, a definite feel good show for me, for sure. Yeah, you you were watching this a lot when we were still living under the same roof, and I couldn't help but watch it too. And yeah, it's it's just really good. There's like nothing uh, <laughs> nothing holding it back, and it really it was on. I guess I'm going to steal more of my own facts. It was on from mm-hmm. 2007 to 2015 and that's a really long time for a disney channel show yeah and it had a a disney plus movie that came out just last summer that's you know got most of the original cast and crew back it's it was really fun it felt like like a direct continuation of the show exact same tone Mm -hmm. the show is is like a bit formulaic um the plot is 
Uh, Phineas and Ferb are two brothers with their sister Candace, uh, and they're always trying to. The boys are always like inventing something, getting up yeah. to hijinks, and Candace is always trying to bust them and show their mom and like you know get get them busted. And uh, there's a side plot with a detective uh, agent P, a, a platypus. <laughs> Sorry. It's their pet. It's their pet platypus. The family is a pet platypus named Perry. Yeah, and they always look over at him, and he's just like sleeping on the lawn. And they're like, "Oh, Perry, he doesn't do much." But then when they turn their back, he's a secret agent. He puts on like a little spy fedora. He like goes underground into his lair where his his boss gives him a mission, which is that he has one nemesis, who's a, a local mad scientist named Doctor Heinz Doofenshmirtz. Yep. And every episode, uh, Dr. Doof has a new innator, a new disintegrant innator, or balloon innator, some, yeah. something, some kind of innator to yeah. either like take over the world or do something very tame. Uh, and- <laughs> yeah, he's uh, the least menacing mad scientist you've ever seen. He's just like a sad, divorced man who walks around in this lab coat and everybody keeps mistaking him to, for a pharmacist. Yeah, I mean, I, I see it. I get it. Uh, and every episode, there's a song. There's at least like one. like Yes. Not like full song, not like a full three minute song, but a good like one or two minute song. Uh, yeah. With, like, usually like a montage. And yeah, and it's usually a segmented show, so usually two segments per episode. Uh, but mm. today, you picked you picked the episodes, and you picked three whole episodes. Uh, yeah, the show did a variety of different episode types. I would say that most commonly it was like the two 11, 12-minute segments, but they also did a lot of whole 22-minute episodes and a lot of like hour-long specials. Like there's a TV movie. It's like an hour and a half long. It was really popular, so they... Oh, they put it into a lot of larger formats. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, There was a lot of crossovers. Um, yes. There was a Star Wars crossover. There was a Marvel crossover. Yes. Uh, that's it. There was a two crossovers. I think there, there was more <laughs> than that. But, uh, yeah. Very entertaining. Two movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to this show. This is uh, what I spent most of college on. I remember... I was in a a community service group in college and we went on a a road trip to go visit another chapter of this group at a school in Colorado. And Mm. I'm like there with a couple of the girls I traveled with and they're playing like beer pong with like the people who were hosting us. And they're like, do you want to play beer pong? I'm like, no, that's okay. Does your TV get Disney Channel? And I legit sat there and watched Phineas and Ferb while my peers were were playing beer pong. (laughs) So, so so that's how who I was in college and that's how I got here today. That's uh I, I'm not interested in that. I need to do this right now. Right. I, yeah. I need to see Perry the platypus, he's my friend. <laughs> well, let's run down some of the facts before we kind of get into the episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. and we have to watch the opening too. Yes. The we'll talk about the opening in a second. Uh so yeah, title of the show, Phineas and Ferb, created by Dan Povenmeyer and Jeff swampy marsh mm-hmm. there were 129 episodes there were 222 like individual segments who uh, ran from 2007 to 2015 originated in usa uh produced 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 <laughs> by disney television animation uh-huh. ori- 
originally ran on Disney Channel and Disney XD. Uh, there was adaptations. Like I said, there were crossovers. There was a lot of toys. There were video games, multiple video games, two mm. movies. A lot of a lot of merchandise came out of the show. Um, yeah, I still have far- Phineas and Ferb temporary tattoos somewhere. Are you gonna use them? Oh, definitely. At some point, I the week this show ended, like I like I put a bunch of these on my arm, and at that point, I was working in an office. <laughs> You know what they say about temporary tattoos? You use it or you lose it. <laughs> the memory is permanent. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, so the cast for the show, pretty uh, pretty iconic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the voice of Phineas, I think, is the guy who's just the biggest stuff he, he did is Phineas because he did it for such a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. Voice of Phineas is Vincent Martella. Uh, voice of Ferb is Thomas Brody Sangster, who mm-hmm. you might know as playing Newt in the Maze Runner. Uh, oh, I, yeah. he was in the Queen's Gambit last year, and he's great in that. Yeah. If, uh, Ferb, as a character, doesn't speak very much. He's kind of a quiet character. He, he gets like one line per episode, and that li- it's like that's one of the jokes, the one thing that Ferb is going to get to say. Yeah. So he's actually got just a great voice and he's a great actor. And mm. he just he just he does this cartoon and it's great. Uh voice of Dr. Doofenshmirtz is one of the creators, Dan Povenmeyer. You can mm-hmm. find him on TikTok, still doing the voice. I think you can get cameos from him doing the voice. Uh, nice. Uh Disney Channel alum, Ashley Tisdale, voices Candace. Mm-hmm. Another co-creator, Jeff Swampy Marsh. Does Major Francis Monogram, which is Perry's boss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Linda Flynn Fletcher is uh, the That's mom. That's their mom. Yeah. It's it's Finney's and Ferb Flynn Fletcher. Uh, and she's Yeah, they're a blended by... family. Yeah, the, um, the dad and Ferb are from England. Yeah. Yeah. And she's played by Caroline Ree... Ray? Ray? Caroline Ray. Ray, thank you. Uh, yes. who you would know as one of the ants from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. The fun ant. <laughs> well, I guess. No, it depends no, on your dis- no, distinction of fun. No, if it, no offense to Zelda. As I grow older, I think I'm more of a Zelda than a Hilda. But like mm-hmm. when you're a little kid watching the show, uh, Caroline Ray is the one you want to be. Yeah. And Perry, of course, is played by D. Bradley Baker, Monster Man himself. Champion uh, of all animal noises. Exactly. And uh, Lawrence Fletcher, who is the their dad. dad, is played by Richard O'Brien, who, who you might know as the scary gaunt man from uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> he is Riff Raff, yes. Riff Raff, yeah. You know, scary <laughs> yeah, there, gaunt man. There are uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show references that will pop up throughout the series. Like, yes. I think there's a Halloween episode where he's sitting there watching a horror movie. So, you know, some unseen horror movie. The kids just walk by and that's what he's doing. Any rock and roll musical numbers in it. <laughs> this show had a... It, it's also had a rich history of just little voice cameos. Among my favorites being there's an mm-hmm. episode where Candace and her, her friend go to see a very Twilight-type teen vampire romance movie, Right. And it's like a, a girl who's in love with a vampire and she's in love with a werewolf. And, you know, it's just like a 30 second Twilight joke, basically. But then I got to the end credits and the girl and the vampire were voiced by the stars of True Blood. And the werewolf was voiced by Teen Wolf himself, <laughs> Michael J. Fox. 
That's so that fantastic. Like, that's that's how detailed the voice casting got, even for like little bits like that. That's great. Uh, yeah, let's. We're gonna talk more about the show in a sec. Mm. Let's watch the intro. Uh, it's about a minute and six, and it'll be played under us as a bed. So for jams editing later, uh, I'm gonna be hitting play in three, two, one. Play. There's a hundred and four days of summer vacation And school comes along just to end it So the annual problem for our generation Is finding a good way what are the to great spend songs. it Like maybe Building a rocket or fighting a it, mummy Or climbing it, it up the really is tower an earworm. Discovering something that doesn't exist hey. Or giving a monkey Out of a all shower. the merchandise that Disney Channel made for the show I wish they made a little figurine of the something that doesn't exist I want that. As you can see, there's a whole lot of stuff to do before school starts this fall. There's more details to even talk about. Mom! Phineas and Ferb are making a title sequence! And the whole show has has very like that iconic. sort of meta humor to it. It's very self-aware. And one of the things it's the most self-aware of is its own structure. You mentioned earlier, it's very repetitive on mm. purpose. Every episode has got like the same touchstones, the same running jokes, the same structural things that it repeats over and over and over again. And the comedy and the, the creativity mm-hmm. come from subverting those or characters being aware that that's what happens. And they're like, if I change this one thing, then does my adventure go any differently? Yeah. This show is, is also mm. very meta and yes. thinks about itself a lot. A lot of the characters will say stuff that you wouldn't expect mm. cartoon characters to say. Uh, Dr. Doof is a big part of this where he'll be like, why are you doing that? That seems dumb, he's, what you're doing. I forget doing. what episode this joke is in, but he does the joke where he's, like, panicked by something, like, he's scared, and he, like, ru- you know, he runs away, and there's, like, a cloud of dust in his outline, like, in the shape of him. But, like, mm-hmm. he does that, and then the cloud of dust dissipates, and he's still standing there, and he's like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of mm. little jokes like that. Uh yeah, this show is is full of of cute mm. little quirks uh, that really yeah. makes it worth watching. But yeah, let's talk about the episodes. Yeah, we, we uh, so today. the three episodes I picked. This is a very dense show. It's got a lot of supporting characters, a lot of running jokes. So I thought I would pick three episodes that have like uh, that are kind of related to each other. So we would like explain something once. For efficiency's sake, right? Let's do these three. And these three mm-hmm. do happen yeah. to be whole 22-minute stories. So we're talking about season one, episode seven, It's About Time. Season two, episode seven, The Chronicles of Meep. And then season three, episode 27, Meepless in Seattle. Yeah, I noticed when you sent me the titles, like, oh, I guess we're doing two I- Meep <laughs> episodes. And little did I know, after finishing all three episodes... That you picked three yeah, connected stories. Yeah, that was on purpose. It was difficult to narrow down. Yeah, you Sorry made, to all the episodes. You made I a did, custom playlist. This is like people assembling like different orders in which to watch Star Wars. Yeah. But yeah. So. Okay. Let's talk about 
Uh, it's About Time starts with the family going to uh, the Natural History Museum at the town where they live, which is called Danville. Uh, and Danville is in an unspecified mm-hmm. tri-state area. They say that a lot. And they're, they're walking around looking at, like, mm-hmm. fossils that were dug up right there in town. You know, all these artifacts. And the boys see a fossil <laughs> of a dog with a little placard that says Bucky. And they're like, Dad, didn't we used to have a dog who got Bucky? <laughs> and the kids say, Dad, didn't we used to have a dog named Bucky who got sick and then he went to live on kindly old man Simmons' farm? And the dad's like, kids, look at this other exhibit. Don't look at that one. Look at this one. This is... And then he turns around and it's a fossil of an old man with a placard saying kindly old man Simmons. And he's like, who's up for milkshakes? Ooh, a museum that sells Mm -hmm. milkshakes. Yeah. Uh, I noticed while we were watching this that I don't know if they had a different voice actor for Phineas in this season, but he sounds a lot different. Maybe he was just younger. Maybe he just hadn't, you know, grown into the voice yet. I'm not sure. It could be. Yeah, like... Like a like a Steven Universe mm-hmm. or a Finn, where they audibly yeah, they sound been it. Maybe uh, there's a, a tour guide walking around the museum, and he shows the kids a time machine, very much like the one in the movie based on H.G. Wells's The Time Machine, that was uh, invented by a man mm-hmm. named Xavier Onassis, which is uh, one of the finest <laughs> hidden adult pun joke names uh, in cartoon history. And he had, like, attempted to build this time machine, and then he, like, never finished it. And they just have got, like, the thing 90% complete sitting there in the museum. And then Phineas says one of his catchphrases, the line that said just about every episode, Ferb, I know what we're going to do today. Yeah. This, uh, yeah. Did we mention that the plot of the show is pretty much this all takes place yeah. over yeah. a summer? And there's also... Yeah, a lot of jokes all... about that. How like this feels like we've had more than a hundred and four days of summer vacation. I mean, give I I don't blame uh, a showrunner starting their first Disney show to be like, well, a hundred and four yes, episodes that seems reasonable. Yeah, Disney is very well known for canceling mm-hmm. after two. This was this is one of the the ones who got to uh, last. You know, for every Motor City. Uh, a Phineas and Verb survives. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're looking at and considering fixing the time machine. Uh, and we see Perry and he goes into mm-hmm. the photo booth and it opens a secret tube and it goes down to his little spy lair, which just all, there's so many tubes all over the city and they all yeah, connect to one spy I think lair. this is how Get Smart begins is that he, he takes a lot of different portals. Mm-hmm. Uh, he like goes into a phone booth and then he falls down a chute and then that takes him to whatever his headquarters is. So it's it's a lot like that. And yeah. Perry, he lands in his chair and he's got this like big view screen where he sees his boss, who's a man named uh, Major Monogram. And he he sees that the screen is frozen and Major Monogram's just like standing there, arms crossed, you know, looking stern. Uh, and you can see that Perry presumes, oh, okay, my feed is frozen. It'll, it'll reload here in a second. And then Carl, the intern, walks into frame, frame on the screen and looks at Major Monogram and is like, yeah, he's just frozen today. I don't know what his deal is. <laughs> Look at him. And he like bumps <laughs> into him and he like completely rigidly like falls over. <laughs> Yeah, and he's like, he's like, <laughs> uh, and so Carl gives Perry his mission, which is the same as it always is. Doctor Doofenshmirtz is up to something. Go foil it. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Sometimes they're like, oh, he bought a bunch of this stuff. Yeah, that's he suspicious. Go check on the, him. He bought all of the world's zinc. 
what he's going to do with it, but we bet it's something bad, so go check on him. And he's like, I've built a Zinkinator. I don't know what it does either. (laughs) So Perry arrives at at Doof's apartment, and he lives on, like, this penthouse apartment uh, with, like, a sign out front that says Doof and Schmerz. And every time... Yeah. Every time we cut to uh, Doofenshmirtz headquarters, there's a jingle that plays yeah. every episode. And it goes, Doofenshmirtz Evil Incorporated. So Barry, he gets there and he sees that Doof is, seems like he's already in the middle of a fight with somebody. And Perry walks in and he's like, oh, B- Perry, the platypus. Oh, I, I wasn't expecting to see you today. And like Perry sees he's got like a paw print on his cheek. Perry opens a closet door and there's another animal agent, another animal wearing his little, you know, secret agent fedora. And this is Peter the Panda. And Doof is like, it's it's not what you think. We're not enemies. We're just bad <laughs> friends. Yes, I love that line. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, over with the kids, uh, Candace has found out that the boys are trying to repair the time machine. And she goes, like, she, like, grabs a piece of it as evidence. And she's, like, running and screaming, Mom! Mom, 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 mom! And then a security card catches her and throws her out. And she's sitting on the steps outside with some other kid uh, who also got kicked out of the museum. And he's like, what, what did you do? And she's like, oh, I was just yelling for my mom. And he's like, you yelled in the museum? That is hardcore. She's like, well, what did you do? And he says, I stole a pterodactyl. But it's not like I yelled. <laughs> There was also a moment where uh, she was talking to Phineas and Ferb, and they mm. were, like, testing something. And they're like, give it a try, Ferb, after Candace had run off. And she reappeared in place, and they, like, said the same shtick, mm. and she ran off. And I'm like, did they just make another <laughs> one of her? She does get through a time loop. Like, she gets back into the museum, and she's got a, a crush on this local boy named Jeremy. And Jeremy works at, like, a, mm-hmm. a slushy dog, like, some sort of a fast food chain and he's like working like yeah i think it's called slushy dog i forget the exact name okay no it is it's just very very upsetting (laughs) it's dogs and also slushies the dog is not slushy the slushy does not taste like dog i hope they're separate he's working at like a kiosk you know slushy dog kiosk in the museum snack bar and she's like they're trying to flirt with him and he's like you know i've been working at the shift so long i feel like i'm part of the fossil exhibit she's like oh part of the fossil exhibit that's a good one but then she's like holding piece of the time machine and the the boys are experimenting with it they think they've got it running so she keeps looping back in time and saying that line over and over again jeremy's like candace are you okay (laughs) 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 I, I like Jeremy a lot. I like that he does also like Candace. <laughs> like Oliver. Yeah, Candace is just like super obsessed with Jeremy. She's yeah. like, yeah, I like Candace. <laughs> She's just like so frantically devoted to like any goal in her life. Uh, and he is very patient with her. <laughs> Those two are sweet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we cut back to uh, Perry and Dr. Yes. Duke and Peter. <laughs> And they're just they're just talking and and uh, Doctor Doof and and he's like Peter, give us some space. And he's like, this isn't. I didn't want you to find out this way. We met at a convention. In we like met Sweden at an, or what he says is we, we met just, at an evil genius expo in Seattle. We just instantly li- disliked each yeah. other. He foiled a little evil scheme of mine. I didn't plan it that way. It just happened. 
Perry, I think it's time for us to take a break and start fighting other people. Yeah. And then Peter comes back in with the drinks, and it just has <laughs> drinks for him. And, just uh, him doof. And Dr. Doof. Yeah, and they, they, they down it and be like, well, Perry, I think it's, I think you, it's time to go. <laughs> and then Perry leaves visibly gets, saddened. You know, do, he... He's not. Yeah, he's he not a general crime it. fighter. Doof is his nemesis, and Perry is his yeah. nemesis. <laughs> like they're a one-to-one pair. I think this is where we get our song. Yeah, of the episode too. <laughs> Perry. Uh, uh, well, there's two songs in this episode. Yeah, Perry has a song called uh, right. "I Miss the Moments When We Didn't Get Along," and he he it's like a montage yeah. of him being sad. Like, search your heart, please, Doctor D, and I am sure that you will see that you were always meant to be my only lifelong enemy. And it's like he imagines the two of them like running towards each other on a beach at sunset, and then just as they reach each other, Perry punches him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> he goes back to his lair to hang up his hat and like monogram is still there on the screen frozen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back sad. with the kids, we get another one of the uh key lines that keeps repeating throughout the series where Phineas and Ferber are working on something, uh, and an adult encounters them and says, Aren't you kind of young to be working in a museum? And Phineas says, Yes, yes, I am. We get one of those. We yeah. get <laughs> Yeah, and, and there's an appropriate silence. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I guess so. Yeah. They start them young. Can I get yeah, you guys anything? Guard just assumes, All right, if you work here and you're, you're in charge of fixing this exhibit, sure, do you, do you need anything? Yeah. And then we see, we see the parents, and the dad goes up to the mom, and he says, darling, can I have $5 for the audio tour? And we see him later, and he's got, like, you know, a yeah. Walkman and a pair of headphones, and it plays this dramatic music, and it's like, and that concludes your tour on fossils. If you'd like to hear the tour again, please flip the tape. And then he says, I can do that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think at this point, the kids get the, like, uh, mm. time machine working again. And, of course, their mom didn't see anything as the, tel- tel- as the time machine teleports away. As is custom, uh, Candace is constantly trying to get the mom to bust yeah. Phineas and Ferb. And of mm. course, it will never happen. Something will happen that will prevent it. And uh, the kids end up getting stuck in the past because a T-Rex just immediately steps on the machine and breaks <laughs> it. So, so I think it's Candace is, st- is stuck back, yeah, in, yeah, back there the, with them. Yeah, the three siblings are stuck back in dinosaur times. Uh, a t- Candace is chased away by a T-Rex yeah. and the boys like fashion a scooter out of parts of the time machine. No, they don't fashion it. They don't fashion it. Oh my it's God, sitting that's there. Right. But they do like they take off on the scooter and then they say, wait a minute, we need some, some protection for our heads. And they take like turtles and they strap turtles to their heads like helmets. And then later when they grab, they don't strap them either. They right. set them. They're just on they're just there. Sitting. Right. They're and then later there. when they pick up yeah. Candace, they're like, all right, Candace, here's your turtle. Be safe. <laughs> yeah, be safe. Make, make good choices. Oh yeah, and then uh, Phineas and Ferb—they all get away, and they notice a footprint mm. in the mud that looks just yeah. like the one in the museum they saw. So they they write a little message to uh, Isabella, who is she is—I don't know how to put this. She's only, she's a one-sided <laughs> love interest. Like, Phineas is completely oblivious to yeah. Isabella's interest. They're friends. Uh, 
And she yeah, like loves him. Deepest yeah. crush on Phineas. And they are friends. They hang out with each other, but she'll come over to the backyard and be like, Hey Phineas, what you doing? And he's like, Oh, I'm making a robot. Like he, he doesn't see her interest in him as anything more than platonic. He's oblivious to it. But uh yeah. Isabella's great. She is the leader of a local troop of scouts called the Fireside Girls, and she'll often have like four or five girls around her in their little uniforms. Yeah. She's always earning a different badge for something. The- like she's not a, a genius the way like Phineas and Ferb are, but she's got a lot of different weird little skills. And they're always like, how do you know that? And she's like, oh, I had to earn a patch in this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'll never be in, in a scout. I never was a scout. So I, I assume. Right. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I sold Girl Scout cookies for, I think, one year. Uh, and I did... Mm, yeah. subpar at it <laughs> they kicked me out <laughs> never come back here uh, and yeah so they run instructions mm. in the footprint to Isabella and then they go and they find blueprints to yeah, remake she, the, she tells uh, them please tell the time please, girls please turn to the time travel section of your fireside girls handbook and then they, they get the instructions to like uh, to fix the ship right uh but then they realize oh no oh Finny spelled these blueprints wrong he gave us the blueprints on how to make a tie machine and it's like a machine that just spits out neckties <laughs> she's like it's a typo i can see that yeah, it now just looks yeah. exactly the okay. same all right let's correct yeah. it girls and now let's make a time machine so we can go back there and save them mm-hmm. back in the past Back in the past, uh, there's a bit where, like, they're running away from the T-Rex and they get scooped up by some big uh, long neck dinosaur and, and Candace is scared that's also going to eat them. And Phineas is like, oh, no, that's a friendly vegetarian dinosaur. And they look up at her, at the dinosaur, and they're like, we're made of meat, ma'am. And the dinosaur, <laughs> like, just sets them yeah. down on the ground. I'm sorry, my bad. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, yeah, and then uh, Candace, I think, while they're waiting, is this where they say uh, things can't get any worse and it starts raining? that's around here too yeah never say that because it will always start raining it yeah yeah i don't know and if you if it's already raining then i think you get an earthquake or something yeah exactly it'll just keep escalating we we see doofenshmirtz and he's still fighting peter but while they're fighting in his apartment, Peter knocks over this like framed photo of Doof, and it's Doof with like his chin in his hand, standing in front of a sunset. And then Doof picks it up and looks at it, and he says, "Oh, I remember when this photo was taken. It was the happiest day of my life. It was the day I decided to get my photo taken." And then it zooms <laughs> out, and he's just in a photo studio in front of a sunset backdrop. And then he like leaves, and then that's when he like, and then Perry's out there to fight him, and then we get Doof's. Uh, song looking back on his relationship with Perry and this is like yeah. a little bubblegum pop number called My Nemesis Ooh my name nema Ooh my name nemesis and yeah. the song goes now I hate him and he hates me what a wonderful animosity besides his hat he wears no clothes now I have someone to oppose these songs are pretty good <laughs> they, they have to make these songs like I think these new episodes came out every week so yeah they made at least two new songs or around two new songs every week for eight years. And a lot of them are really good. I would listen to these a lot. There's some bops in there. Yeah, there are some really good episodes. There's episodes about bands where we yeah. get multiple songs per episode. Oh, 
One episode I like almost added to the list this week is there's an episode called Dude, We're Getting the Band Back Together where mm. it's uh, the parents' anniversary and like the dad forgot. And so the kids are like, oh, mom's really mad at dad. Let's, let's help him make it up to her. And they met at a concert for some band called Love Handle. Mm. <laughs> and they're like, Love Handle's a local band. I bet we can reunite them and get them to play a concert tonight in our driveway. And then <laughs> and it'll be like a really special moment for mom and dad. And so the episode's them like going around to the three guys, like trying to convince them to like do this again. And so like there's a number at each place they go. The band performs like their big hit song at the end of the episode. That one's great. Yeah, I, I think about that one a lot when I think about Phineas and Ferb. I think I saw mm-hmm. that multiple times. Uh, yeah. But yeah. So yeah, I, so Doof has this whole uh, musical moment. And then I think it cuts back to the kids for a little bit. And it cuts back. And uh, they're on a talk show. Like, like yeah. Maury style. <laughs> and the audience is composed of other mad scientists and agents. Yeah, agents, other like animal agents animals. wearing hats. Yeah. Yeah, it's called uh, the Dr. Feel Better Show. And, yeah. like, Doof is there to, like, sort of... Because re- he's realized how much he misses Perry. And, like, he's... <laughs> after the end of that musical number, he, like, fades out of it. And he looks over at Peter, who's, like, destroying one of his devices. And he's like, you're disassembling my Freezinator ray while I'm singing about my feelings? You're dead to me. So yeah. he's on this talk show to, like, reunite with Perry. Uh, and then this guy named Dr. Feelbetter is like, now, Perry, how do you feel about this? And Doof is like, he doesn't talk. Dr. Feelbetter is like, oh, so you'd say that communication problems are one of the things that help bring down your relationship. And Doof's like, no, he's an animal. None of them talk. (laughs) How are you a doctor? Yeah. This is just more of Doof like pointing out like, you should know this. These are obvious things. <laughs> and then he's like, no, I have somebody else I'd like to bring out. And then like Peter comes out and he's waving his arms up and down like, it's me. It's Peter. <laughs> Get jazzed. And like everybody in the audience boos Peter. Yeah. <laughs> They're on Doof and Perry's side. They want mm-hmm. those two to reunite. And, I, and the, to remind you, this is episode seven. This yeah. is episode seven. And they've already strongly enough established that like, the ongoing antics between this mad scientist and the secret agent platypus are strong enough that those have those two have got like a relationship going that is devoted and personal enough to be uh corollary to a romance yeah i mean or at least just like a relationship yeah like a, it's very special what they have yeah, yeah episode seven they're like we're getting this in early and this is one of the major tenets of the series going forward. Yep. And I think before we get a resolution on that, we cut back to the kids and the the girls make it to the right time. Mm-hmm. And except they get there and the machine won't work. Uh, it, oh. needs to be, it needs to be plugged in. <laughs> and Candace is just like fed up. And she just like yes. throws a huge fit. And she's like, yelling in this like rainstorm and she's holding up the plug and she gets hit mm. by lightning and then it sends them all back to the present and now yes. candace has like bride of frankenstein hair yeah uh, only the catch is that t-rex that was chasing them comes back too and mm. it's chasing uh candace through the uh throughout the museum and then we cut back to perry and doof 
<laughs> and Deuce trying to make amends with Perry, and he says, uh, well, first you go back and you see Peter just throwing a bunch of chairs around. Yeah. <laughs> like real like, like he's angry stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then Dr. Feelbetter says, yes, thank you, Peter. I had been meaning to stack up those chairs. Yeah. <laughs> and Doof is saying to, to Perry, I'm so sorry I hurt you when I wasn't actually trying to hurt you. If you give me another chance, I promise to hurt you in the right way with cartoonish physical violence and elaborate traps I made out of strange things I purchased on the internet. And like... Perry's tearing up and he's like, well, well, Perry, what do you say? And then Perry like hits him and it's like, ah, yes, the classic (laughs) nemesis fighting that our relationship was built on. We're back together. Get out of here, Peter. Yeah. And I think is this where Doof kind of pulls the rug out from everyone? I think so. Yeah. Like he's he's brought his Freezenator with him. And this is what happens at the end of every episode, is that Doof uh, activates whatever his crazy device of that episode is. And it goes awry, and it's not pointed at the right thing, and it will like beam up into the sky, reflect off something, and then hit wherever the kids are. So yeah. like the Freezenator Ray ends up hitting that T-Rex in the museum, and it freezes it in place like it's an exhibit that's always been there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and there was also at the Dr. Feelgood all of the agents were about to be captured. Uh, yeah. Because, like, Dr. Deuce, like, actually, this was all, like, a trap. You shouldn't have come to this audience. <laughs> I knew it was free, and this is 3 p.m., and you had to wait in line to get in, but it was free tickets. But, uh, yeah, all the agents turn on them, and there's a big tussle. And, of course, uh, Perry steps in and, and saves the day, and they, everyone gets, like, tied up. Uh, mm-hmm. and yeah. So, yeah, all hell breaks loose. The scientists are defeated. Uh, and yeah, they cut back and the, the mom and dad are like, what a, what a nice family day at the museum. <laughs> and we get our credits and during the credits, there's always a little clip yes. that plays yes. over it. That's kind of just like a little epilogue. And this one was the mom and the dad like in bed that night and the mm. dad still has the guided tour tape and he's yeah. just replaying the like cinematic beginning and he's just no, doing it over and over again and speaking along with it. Fossils. Dun, dun, dun. Fossils. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And, and he the does mom, it over and over and over again. The mom, the mom wakes mom, up, it just looks at him and just smiles. Like, let's look at right? my husband. Like, she's not annoyed. She's so happy that he's happy. <laughs> yeah. It's just a very that's, cute little moment. That's the tone of this show, right? It's It's... I think it's so sharp-witted, but it's not sharp-toned. It's so positive. All these characters are, like, so kind to each other. It's one of the, like, warmest shows I've ever encountered. It's certainly up there. Yeah. Our next episode is Season 2, Episode 7, The Chronicles of Meep. And this episode starts with an opening credits for a show we don't know. It's like an announcer voice in this text on the screen that goes, episode 38, more than meeps the eye. So it's like a little show inside a show. And the boys are in their backyard playing with like, um, they're playing catch, but it's like a remote controlled baseball. It's like one of them sort of piloting the baseball around and the other one like still tries to catch it in their glove. They're playing and they're like, the crowd goes wild. And then it cuts to Perry just sitting there inert in the baseball. <laughs> 
and it cuts to Perry just sitting there inert with like a ball cap and a foam finger stuck on his little platypus hand. Because mm-hmm. every time the boys see Perry, he's just he just sits there. Yeah, he's and a makes platypus. like a chit. He doesn't do much. Yeah, he just makes like a chittery little <laughs> platypus noise. And as far as they know, that's all he does. Yep. Uh, yeah, if you want to learn more about the family's relationship with Perry, go watch the movie. Oh, yeah. Phineas and Ferb Across the Second Dimension is a great movie. Yeah, it's it's more internal and not about an external like problem or threat. It's just kind of like mm. about the family, and it's nice. Um, yeah, great songs in that one, too. So yeah, uh, the so mom is about to leave, and Candace is like, "Okay, you're in, you're in charge, Candace." And the mom's like, "You have a package," and he's like, "And she's like, oh, my bangaroo." <laughs> and the mom's like, the "Candace wh- is the what? No, yeah, Candace, Candace has gotten into these um, toys that are called bangaroos, where it's like sort of like a beanie baby or a Pokemon or something where it's you can have one animal crossed with another animal and you've got a cute like plush doll of that hybrid. And she's like telling her mom like, oh, I got this cute bangaroo and like me and Stacy are going to take him to the bangaroo convention later today. And the mom's like, assuming none of that is teenage code for something I should be worried about. I'm off. <laughs> Goodbye, <laughs> Candace. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, the boys are playing with their, their remote control baseball, and they're like, this is a high one, and they shoot it straight up, and it goes through the atmosphere, and it hits a spaceship. <laughs> and we get a spaceship uh, crash landing, and guess who we meep? Uh, this is Meep. Meep is a very, very cute little alien. He's got this little white little marshmallow body and like a little pink hat, and he just says his name. Meep. 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 We assume he says his name. We don't know, actually. Yeah, they call him Meep. They act like it's Pokemon rules. And Phineas is like, I think we may have just stopped or started an alien invasion. (laughs) But then they see Meep and they're like, oh, he's so cute. And then Meep hands them a photo of a, a, you can tell, is a larger alien of his species with a mustache. And there's like a label at the bottom. And they're like, oh, that must be your dad. <laughs> You're trying to find your dad after we crashed your spaceship. It's okay, Meep. Don't worry. We're going to help you find your dad. Um, and Candace walks in, and we'd seen her open up her package, and she tried to make a bangaroo that was half cow, half frog, named Senor Frog. Frog. But she opens it up, and it's really gross looking. And she's <laughs> like, I never should have done this. Why did I pick these two animals? What a now we're going to go to this convention. <laughs> we're gonna go to this convention and her best friend Stacy has like a cute one and she's like great now I have this ugly one but she walks in the backyard and she sees me- Meep and she thinks he's a bangaroo doll that the boys have just like put a chip in so that he can talk mm-hmm. and she's like he talks and then Phineas says well more than Ferb <laughs> nice little joke but he only says his mm-hmm. name Meep Meep <laughs> and then uh, we see Perry activating the spy mode. He he's, <laughs> he's he like jumps up into active spy mode and he's walking across the backyard to get to his secret lair and he like encounters Meep and then he like shuts back down into docile animal mode and he just yeah. like makes this chittery little like platypus noise. I can't do it. Nobody can do it. Only D. Bradley Baker can do it. Yeah. Uh, and then Meep goes Meep. And then they go back and forth like that for a while, and they walk away, and then Perry turns back around and looks at Meep like, what was that? Who was that guy? 
<laughs> and then he keeps going and he goes down into his lair. And this is one of my favorite jokes. And I always forget what episode it's in. But thank goodness it is in this episode. Mm-hmm. He goes <laughs> to his lair. He looks up at his video screen. And there's Major Monogram. But you can see that, like, Carl is behind him, and Carl has his arms stuck out like they're Major Monogram's arms. Like, they're playing that old whose line is it anyway Yeah, game. exactly. And then, like, Monogram's starting to give him his, his speech, like, uh, yes, I need you to go uh, see what Doof is doing. I bet he's doing something really bad. And, like, Carl waves his arms out real wide. He's like, I bet what he's doing is this bad and he starts <laughs> laughing and he breaks down and he says sorry Perry I can't do this anymore Carl was doing my arms <laughs> and he cuts to Perry who looks not amused no <laughs> there's a lot of great gags with like what monogram may be up to uh, when Perry calls him there's one episode where Perry goes down there and instead of <laughs> major monogram and he's got a coat that is like MM on it mm-hmm one time he goes down there and it's a guy in a coat that says ML and he's like, hey, uh, I'm Ray Liotta, Hollywood actor Ray Liotta. I guess I'm Major Liotta today. Uh, Major Monogram's not here. He like, we're old school buddies. He needed a substitute. He called me in. Um, you're supposed to go fight a guy named Doofenshmirtz? That's great. That's it. That's the only use of Hollywood actor Ray Liotta and then he's gone. That's exactly a good example of what this show does yeah. for, for like voice actors. Either they're there for like a, an episode long role, or mm-hmm. it's just like a quick two second bit. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I found. I went on YouTube. I found a, a three second clip of the Perry the, the platypus growl. Uh, okay. So we're gonna put it in. Uh, three, two, one, play. It's. <laughs> Something, yeah, truly something only D. Bradley Baker could make. <laughs> so yeah, Candace is switches out Meep for her original Bangaroo, mm. and they they yeah. go to their uh, the Bangaroo convention. Meanwhile, the boys are fixing the Meep ship, and Isabel comes by, mm. and like, oh, where's Meep? Meep is missing. We need his help to find his dad. And Phineas is like, well, I'll make a cute tracker to to track it. And Isabella's like, oh, I don't know if that's going to work. I got a lot of cute going on over here. <laughs> and Phineas, the whole episode is just like, yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I don't understand, but okay. Like, doesn't pick up. Doesn't does pick not up know on what it. She's talking about. Like, doesn't hear her. Yeah. So they're setting off to uh, Phineas and Isabella set off to find uh, Meep while Ferb stays mm-hmm. and continues to work on the ship. Uh, mm-hmm. And Doof, meanwhile is we get a oh, di- we cut to yeah go ahead we cut to we cut to his apartment and the entire building is covered with carpet squares and the little jingle voice in this episode sings doofenshmirtz evil is carpeted yeah and they cut in and wall to ceiling <laughs> just different like rugs and like carpet and it's ridiculous and uh doof captures perry by like i think a little robot hand like pushes him on the carpet until he like poofs up and just sticks yeah. him to the wall and he can't move. Just all static electricity. That's yeah. his only trap. And he shows up and like Doof appears and he says, looks like I rubbed you the wrong way, Puffy the Fuzzopus. <laughs> and and he explains that what he's doing this <laughs> and he's going to start telling Perry his 
plan. He's always very upfront. It's part of the arrangement that he just tells Perry his plan. And he says, I believe the answers are best expressed in backstory form. Doof always has a backstory. He, he grew several. up in some Eastern European uh, country called Druselstein with like these parents that did not show up for his own birth. And uh, at one point he left his parents and he was raised by a family of ocelots. At one point his dad forced him to live outside as a garden gnome. All of these things. And he's telling this story about how he needed money and he got a job at a carnival at a dunking booth. And he's like, I was not the person being dunked. I was the object you threw at the game to dunk the person. (laughs) (laughs) And he's at this carnival and he gets a balloon. He loves this balloon and he draws a face on it. And he's like, I'll name him Balloony. And I sp- he sprays him with special lifelong lasting spray. And he's like written his name at the bottom. He signed his artwork. And he's like, Balloony was my best friend. Balloony and I did everything together until one day he floated away. And I've never seen him again. But I know he's still out there because of that lifelong lasting spray. So that's why I got all these carpets to like generate enough static electricity to attract the balloon back to me. And I, w- I want to talk about Balloony for a second. The, yes. the the face he drew isn't the face you were expecting. Uh, <laughs> it looks like he drew it with no. just black marker, but it is so much more than that. Uh, it's, it's, like, it's like the Doug joke. How'd you do all that with blue paint? <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, like, it's almost like a Mr. Bean kind of look to oh. it. Oh, I understand. Yes. It's it's just it's just very I don't know it's very upsetting for a balloon to it's, look like that, and it's just like a very placid neutral adult yeah no male face. it's not it's just not happy. staring directly at you yeah and the way they like map it so that like the face is like <laughs> they map it alongside the movement of the balloon yeah as it just sort of wafts around <laughs> it's. Oh, it's so funny. If I was the sort of person who just got a lot of tattoos, I would have a balloony somewhere on my body, <laughs> on like my arm. And I'd constantly be explaining to people what balloony is. It's a pretty good tattoo. Uh, so yeah, they go, they talk about that. Um, Ferb has finished fixing the, the ship and it is now a hot rod, like a, like a long, <laughs> like Rolls Royce, like very like yeah. tricked out, lots of chrome. And Mm -hmm. he presses a button to start it up and it alerts the mustachioed meep up in space. And uh, it's that ship starts coming down into the atmosphere. Meanwhile, Ferb gets a nice little like montage with like very like Reverend Horton heat kind of music. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. The song is called my ride from outer space, like real, yeah, real rockabilly jam. And we see him flying around Danville uh, he like passes by a pretty girl who's like, oh, I'm impressed by your ride. Who uh, is uh, that's Vanessa. That's actually Dr. Doofenshmirtz's daughter who's like Candace's age. And she meets Ferb once and he has this like crush on her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he also flies past Buford and Baljeet who are not otherwise in any of the episodes no. I picked. Yeah, I They're noticed in most that. episodes. It's, yeah. a, it's an outlier that I picked three episodes that they aren't in but they're two other kids that are part of like the usual gang of kids Baljeet's like really smart but he's a lot more uh, particular about kind of proving himself than than Phineas and Ferb are like he's really obsessed with grades he's like a straight A student and then Buford's like the local um 
bully who like seems like kind of a lunkhead, but he's secretly very wise and philosophical. Yep. They're a Nelson and a Martin Prince, I think, maybe the closest yeah. <laughs> corollaries. Yeah. I also was looking at the cast, and it's really nice that uh, Belgique is is voiced by uh, someone of, of the same racial background. Yeah, yeah. He's he's from India. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, not in, the, not in the episode. Ferb is, you know, hopping around, getting ice cream from space, having this whole montage. Meanwhile, this ship is coming back in from Orgut orbit mm. and is like closing in on him uh mm. meanwhile we cut to bango rukon and <laughs> meep is there with candace i don't know i imagine the creators of this of the show have been to a con before but so oh, far certainly. it just looks like a big room like almost like a big prom focused on bango and there's like tables oh, it's on like- the outskirts yeah oh yeah it's like there's a whole show floor with like big exhibits and like you know the, the yeah like big promotional balloons and stuff like that there is an episode where the kids do go to a comic con and the mm-hmm. whole episode is like a sci-fi versus fantasy debate where at the end these two groups of fans are going to like have a battle with each other nice that's a good one but yeah uh, candace is there with with meep who she thinks is just a doll mm-hmm. uh and then meep sort of jumps off of her backpack and like tries to sneak away and these two security guards who are in full-size bangaroo mascot costumes full just with like little security guard hats yeah, on the little hats on top like yes we're, they, they, we're still to be respected don't you mind and they bring me back to candace and they're chastising her for like letting her her little doll get away from her and it keeps escalating where they're like somebody could have tripped over that doll somebody could have been in danger you could have caused all sorts of damage even death and one of them's like you could have killed me and the other one's like me too <laughs> and then he starts suddenly yelling so much and then meep uh shoots both of them with this like shoop to whoop like rainbow beam uh and it just disintegrates yeah. the clothes off them and then we cut to Candace, uh, having been kicked out of somewhere else, as now yeah, and her... she's like, "You, you, you can't bang me from Bangaroo conventions for life. I ban myself." <laughs> so yeah, her and Meep are like in her bike, and Meep's in the basket, like riding back mm. to the house. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the cute detector Phineas is following. Uh, there's more back and forth with her and Isabella. And Ferb catches up with them, and they hop in the Ferb hot rod to catch up with them, and they see mm. uh, Meep with Candace, but then that ship comes in out of orbit and just kind of like scoops them up in their tractor beam and takes mm. it, takes them away. And Candace is there with Meep, like, well, what do we do? We don't have the boys anymore. We got to get up there. Meep shows her that photo again, and she's like, oh, that must be your yeah. dad. And then he holds up a second photo that's the same guy in profile, and yeah. she puts it together. Oh, no, those are mug shots. That's the bad guy who took them. You were sitting here to find this bad guy. So yeah. now, you know, as long as you know who took them, we've got, you know, we can be on their tail. We can go get him back. Yeah, I do like that little joke, like... Because, yeah, she does get it, but at first she's like, oh, your dad? We need to find your dad? <laughs> And she keeps needing to get reminded, like at, like a couple like segments later, she's like, "Okay, we need to find your dad." No, wait, we need to find the bad guy. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so the uh, we we see 
Phineas and Ferb and Isabella land on this ship and we meet Mitch. But but first, they're flying, they're being sucked up through a tractor beam up to this, uh, it looks like a cloud at first, it's camouflaged. Uh, and then I think Ferb says in one of his rare lines of the episode, that's no cloud, that's a space station. And then Phineas says, I've got a good feeling about this. <laughs> Just a nice, uh, low-key Star Wars jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and then, Which this uh, episode will turn out to be full of. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we, we cut in and, and we meet uh, Mitch, who is the, he's got like, to describe Mitch, he's, so he looks like Meep in face, except he's got mm. a, like a long villain mustache. It looks like he's got yeah, like a red eyeliner. One, it looks like he's got like a red onesie on, like mm. with like little devil horns, like the like the the he bad brother like the from Scary Godmother. <laughs> oh, I guess he is kind of like Scarlet Witch. Yeah, um, he's got one of those amorphous Marvel Comics things around your head. Yeah, it, uh, it's just like a onesie. It's a kickaroomy. Yeah. Uh, except it's got like spiky shoulder pads and like an angry yeah. belt and big old boots and a cape. <laughs> an angry belt for sure. Yeah. And he, he he introduces himself to the kids and he's like, I am known by many names throughout the universe. Well, mainly two. I'm Mitch, but some of the guys call me Big Mitch. Yeah, I like that. And they, and they do alternate calling him Big Mitch. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and he explains like, I'm not Meep's dad. I am uh, Meep is my mortal enemy. He doesn't also call him Meep. He's like, you mean that guy? And they point yeah. to a picture of Meep with darts thrown in it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, him. And they don't name Meep. I don't think we ever get Meep's name ever. Uh, and wow. Canonically, they, it seems like that is what it is. They address him by that many times and he never tells them to call him anything else. True. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, he explains like, yeah, I'm his mortal enemy. I'm like here to kill him, uh, but mm-hmm. I'm also here to find exotic animals and steal them from yeah. their from their homes. And he's like, so yeah. you're a zookeeper? And he's like, no, more nefarious than that. And Isabel's like, uh, a poacher? And he's like, yes, a poacher. That's evil <laughs> yeah. enough. Phineas is too innocent, but Isabella catches on. She's street smart. Yeah. And so, meanwhile, Candace and Meep are trying to figure out how to get up there, and they look at the remote baseball gun, and mm-hmm. then the next shot is uh, Candace in her bike, but the wheels are full of those baseballs, and, Me- right. and Meep's in the basket, and they're flying up to the spaceship a la E.T. Yeah, they're like making the baseballs move the bike up there, which is very cool. Because the ship is just like hovering over the city. It's not like in space. So back on the ship, the kids, uh, they get shown to this alien habitat. And they're, (laughs) Phineas is still under the impression that this is just like a cool place for for animals to hang out. They're romping around an alien habitat. We see them swing around like they're on some sort of a jungle gym. And then it zooms out and that's all like part of a large creature who just has like jungle gym like appendages. As you do. Yeah. And then that's where, uh, that's where they are when, when Perry, um, that's where they are when Candace and Meep finally track him down. Uh, but then down on Earth, <laughs> down on Earth, Doof uh, turns on his electrostaticinator or whatever it is. And he's like, this is going to rip the balloon out of every hand of a, this is going to rip the balloons out of the hands of every child 
clown and clown child in the entire tri-state area. And then he turns it on and we see exactly that. Balloons pull out of the hands of a child, a clown, and a clown child. Yeah, and they all cry and it's all nice and all cute. Yeah. And then, like, all the balloons are, like, you know, affixed to the outside of Doof's apartment. And the, there's so many balloons that it just, like, lifts the building away and it flies off. Oh, it, it just lifts, it lifts the innator. Yeah. Yeah. Just the device and Doof and Perry away. Yeah. Like, not the entire building. That's right. And Doof's talking to Perry and he's like, you know, on paper, this was the outcome, too. <laughs> Just a nice little defeated, like, I knew this wasn't going to work, but I had to do something. <laughs> I did it anyway. And then they, you know, get uh, sucked up to the ship. They fly up to the ship. And then Doof walks in to where Mitch and Meep are having no, he doesn't, a, a he, he doesn't walk in. He crashes through the floor. And he just right. kind of, like, cl- crawls up. And he's like, oh, you guys look, look like, oh, yeah, because at this point, Candace and Meep are, like, on the ship. And Meep and yeah, Mitch yeah. are about to face off. And mm. he just crashes in and stands in between them like, ooh, it looks like you're about to have your, you know, it all ends here kind of match. I'll I'll get out of your <laughs> way. Don't mind me. Right. I, I understand Nemesis things. Yeah. This is when Mitch is like, just to be clear, I am not your father. Which is, <laughs> like all of the dad jokes earlier are great on their own, but to learn that they're like leading up to this like Star Wars reference. Yeah. Is pretty good. Pretty, uh, the, yeah. the show really, it gets a lot out of every one of its jokes. It really does. Uh, so Doof leaves there and he he's like, he's trying to find his way out of the spaceship and he's just opening doors. And, you know, we Mitch had mentioned that he's been trying to find rare creatures from throughout the universe. And he opens up one of the doors and there's Balloony just floating there. He's like, Balloony, oh my God, I knew you were still alive somewhere. And Mitch walks up and he's like, oh, no, that's, uh, I found that guy. I named him Colin. And Doof's like, no, he's mine. His name is Balloony. Mitch is like, oh, it's Colin. You know, he's a wholly unique creature out there in the universe. I've never seen one of them. And Heinz is like, well, the, Doof is like, yeah, I look, it says Heinz on him. That's my name. I signed it when I drew this face on him. And Mitch says, that's a birthmark. Doof is like, a birthmark, you idiot, it's a balloon. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's clear. I think I think Doof goes to walk away and he's like, come mm. on, come on, Balloony. And Balloony stays put. And he's like, No. <laughs> really? You would after all these years you do this to me? Fine, fine. I see how it is. I see you found your real friend. And then he starts going into the spiel like, I know who my real friend is. It's it's a platypus, and it's a it's someone who defeats me every. And then he gets cut off by Perry punching him in the face. Uh, yeah. Because Perry and Peter were trying to catch, or no, it was uh, no, that's, that's the next episode. Uh, that's next one. <laughs> sorry. Stay tuned for next time. Uh, Perry, how did Perry get up there? I can't remember. Oh, he was in he was in well, the Nazi balloons too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he punches him down. And we get the line of, of Doof falling, and he's like, hello, falling to my doom here. But in the Disney Plus, like, captions, it said, falling to my death here? And I don't <laughs> know why Disney Plus would change that to be worse. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they had the original script for the captions, and Maybe. then they changed that later, but the, the captions stayed the same. Like I know, I've seen that this has happened with the Road to El Dorado, mm-hmm. where Miguel and Tulio were originally like overtly a couple, 
Uh, really? And, and they're not really in the in the final film. Sure. But the captions still have lines from the original script. So if you put on the captions, it will sometimes just have deer added to the end of a line. <laughs> Honey. Yeah. That's yeah. stupendous. There's, there's That's like, amazing. There's like a couple pet names left in there. Again, something I saw screenshotted on Tumblr. Never tried it out with my own DVD of that movie. That's great. For all I know, this is a myth. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Mitch, uh, captures Meep, uses the, the surprise to, like, put, like, a, like, a techie upside-down laundry basket over him to secure him, Mm -hmm. uh, and the kids and the Candace, like, all are cornered by, uh, Mitch's, like, flying robot minions. The Candace. The Candace. You know, the Candace. (laughs) That Candace one. The one and only. And she's got the baseball gun in her hand. And she she sees one of the one of the stray uh, baseballs at Mitch's feet, and she uses the remote control on the gun to push it and roll it all the way over to the laundry basket, and it just bounces mm. on the top and unleashes Meep, and he goes full action on Mitch, and he just yeah. beats the heck out of him, and he rips the mustache off of him and puts it on himself, and it's a universal translator. And he's like, thanks, kids. <laughs> and he has yeah, this like, and, and deep the, hero voice. Yeah, and the voice of sci-fi star Lorenzo Lamas. He's oh. like, thank you for saving me from my nemesis, kids. Finally, I'm able to talk to you. Thanks for your help. And he talks about how you know he's been sent to like uh, expose to everyone that Mitch has been getting up to trouble. And then Candace is like, you were trying to bust him. You're like the me of the galaxy. Yeah, he's like, I was so nice to find a kindred spirit. It was nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then a monster, then, he's, oh yeah, she's like, I'll never judge another book by its cover. And then a monster walks in the room and, and screams. And she's like, oh no, a monster. And he's like, oh no, that's my mother-in-law. But we should still run. I hate her. <laughs> a real old-fashioned joke, but like, I don't know. Sometimes that feels hackneyed and sometimes that feels like... Ah, cl- classics. <laughs> right, right where that belongs. Uh, yeah. And then the episode ends. So they, remember, the episode began with this announcer that was like, episode 38, more than meeps the eye. And then now the episode ends with a fake preview for the next episode of like whatever the Meep series is. And we see all these action clips of like, you know, there's there's Ferb grabbing Candace as she's about to fall off of a spaceship and Candace is screaming, what? Jeremy's going to be there? And like all these action shots. And then it ends with stay tuned next time for our next episode. Meepless in Seattle. Yeah. And then like... It- there was still a little like time left on the clock, and mm-hmm. like, is there, you know, the international credits are gonna play? But we get like the Disney logo, and then the voice comes back and says, "In a world, there I said it, happy." <laughs> and then it ends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you, Don LaFontaine. Yeah. So the next episode we watched is episode, uh, season three, episode twenty-seven, Meepless in Seattle. Yeah, I and left. This... I left the end of that episode. I'm like, I wonder if they ever did. Oh, they did it. That's what we're watching next. Right. So this episode begins with this, uh, again, sort of Star Wars style opening crawl. 
with a voiceover that goes, A long time ago in Burbank, California, a ragtag group of animators made a fake trailer for a Meep sequel they never intended to make. Unfortunately, everyone wanted to see that episode, so the animators were forced to write and incorporate all these seemingly unrelated scenes. I guess the joke was on them. We now present Meepless in Seattle. Yeah. Which they do. Throughout the episode, all those little clips at that at the end of last episode... Yeah are factored into this episode somehow <laughs> except for one and then at the very end somebody says wait wasn't that bit supposed to be in here and then the episode cuts off yeah <laughs> so it's the episode starts with um candace and her, her best friend stacy who we keep mentioning but haven't really talked about in depth uh stacy's great stacy's like the straight man in the relationship with yeah. candace she's exasperated but she's very loyal uh it, Stacy has convinced Candace to like take the day off from busting her brothers and worrying about places Jeremy is going to be to just go to the mall. And she then says, Candace she says re- I need to broaden my anxieties. I need to be worried about more. <laughs> and then Candace realizes if I actually followed Phineas and Ferb all day and I did what they're doing, I would get busted in the process of getting into whatever antics they are but I would ensure they are getting busted. It's a sacrificial bust. And like, she's talking about this and Stacy's like, oh no, I can see I'm losing you. Okay, bye Candace. <laughs> I'll have fun at the mall by myself. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then Candace just goes and like hangs out with like uh, her brothers and like they're having a giant pillow fight. With, with yeah, they've built like cranes to yeah. swing giant pillows at each other. And then, and then Phineas says, hey, you know who would love this? And then Candace is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, where's Perry? And he's like, actually, I was going to say Buford, but where is Perry? Which is another one of the lines they say in almost every episode. Yeah. They'll stop and they say, hey, where's Perry? And I, then it cuts away to, you know, Perry in his lab with, with yeah. talking to Major Monogram. I did want to say uh, it's it's very wholesome, this this uh, this episode where she's just like, I'm just going to go hang out with my brothers and just play play with their toys with them and and spend time with them and it was just very wholesome. Yeah, Candace does love her brothers and like they love her back. They adore Candace. She mm-hmm. just wants to, she sees them getting into these real over the top things and she's a little concerned about them and like wants them to be reined in. She wants it recognized that they're doing something that could be potentially dangerous. That's yeah. all she really intends when she wants to bust them to mom. Will she ever bust them? Watch the watch the movie. Yeah, watch all of them. Yeah. Uh, so in Perry's lair, we keep calling it a lair. I don't know if a good guy has a lair. That may be for villains only, but he's got this little secret hideout. Uh, <laughs> and there was a shot in the preview for this episode where monogram says i want your hat on my desk and then she, and perry throws a chair at the screen yeah so to contextualize that monogram saying i want your hat on my desk because i'm sending you on a mission to seattle and it rains a lot there and i want to spray your hat with this special rainproofing treatment and then they say also we put a new unbreakable screen in, in your hideout you know, throw something at it try it out and Perry picks up his chair and throws it at the screen, and the screen is intact, but the chair breaks. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we didn't also make the chair unbreakable. <laughs> Perry. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and then Meep crash lands. Uh, yeah. And he's like, I need, your, I need your help. And he's being chased by this, like, 
I don't know the shape of this. It's like a it's like a robot, but it's a flying spaceship. And big stomping robot. Yeah, it's got like three eyes, and it's chasing them. And we get the shot of like, what are you running from? And then Phineas and Ferb jump out of the way as a monster foot, like robot foot, cr- almost crushes them. And mm. uh, they, I, I don't think I took enough notes here, but they uh they're they're running away from this big stomping robot, and then Isabella walks in like, hey, what you doing? And they like literally pick her up in a panic and like run with her. Yeah, like, oh no, gotta get away from this robot. Yeah, and then Meep is like. So Meep landed in the backyard and Meep's like, oh, kids, get in my spaceship. And like Candace is following them and she's yelling, hey, hey, mom, mom, we're going out of space. And the mom is inside listening to like a French lesson on tape. Oh, no, this is, mom, is this, isn't this like a, a walking tour? Oh, no, that, I watched. So after this episode, I watched the Marvel crossover and that's what happens in that episode. These episodes blend together. That's <laughs> one's another good one. Yeah. So in the scuffle, uh, Meep loses his Lorenzo Lamas mustache. Yeah. And so he's back to just saying Meep because he doesn't have the all of the, the only way you can be translated is if you're wearing a mustache. Since they get in his ship, he opens up another emergency backup mustache that is a label on it that says made in Georgia. And he puts it on. And then in the voice of Jeff Foxworthy, he yeah. gives the kids all this exposition. He's like, all right, kids, back in the days of yore on my planet, a man named Zachariah Yore d- found the ultimate source of all cuteness, and he became the cutest person in the whole galaxy. But absolute cuteness corrupts absolutely. <laughs> and he was. <laughs> he did <laughs> so say just, that. I love that. We have to take it all out of him. And they took out this element called cutonium, and they're like, nobody can have cutonium. It's too powerful. So they put it in like a little <laughs> chalice. You know, in a, a little cute they put chalice. it in a holy. They put it in a holy grail, and then they like launch it away into space, where hopefully nobody would find it. And he's like, Mitch uh, has been trying to find the cutonium, and scientists did track it, and it landed on Earth. So yeah. we're going to have to go uh, find the cutonium before Mitch does. Yeah, and they're like, we're going to have to fly to Seattle. And they're like, how will we know when we get there? And then the screen, like, they go from a bright, sunny day to, like, it constantly raining and, like, grunge music playing. Yes. And they're like, we're already here. (laughs) Yeah, and um, Phineas says that he's going to have to build another cute tracker to, like, um, track down Mitch if he becomes super cute. And he's like, this time I'll have to learn to make a tracker that will ignore Meep's cuteness. Oh, and yours too, Isabella. And Isabella says, I don't need your charity. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We cut to a coffee shop in Seattle. And uh, Doof is just like having like a nice, like refreshing, like getaway. Like he think he he mentions like, this is where I come to like, just like blow off some steam and just relax. Mm. And like, this is kind of like a little nice shot because he's reflected in the window. So it's kind of like a nice like double vision. It is. It, like, this episode looks nice. They got some yeah. pretty good production. Like, the animation always looked pretty solid, but they got, like, nice production values for some episodes as the seasons went on. Um, but then he sees Perry out the window, and he, what he says is, he's saying, oh, Perry, he's completely clueless about my little excursions up here. That poor, blind, trusting, blah. Like, when he sees Perry, he just loses the ability to say words. <laughs> he just says, blah, 
And then he like runs, he like runs out the, goes to the bathroom, runs out the back door, books it. And then like Perry finds him like climbing out of the bathroom window behind the coffee shop. And he's like, Doof is like, I'm not here. You don't see me. <laughs> and before this, we'd seen the kids. They landed in Seattle and they're like excavating the ground, trying to find where this like chalice of Cutonium landed. Mm-hmm. And Doof like tumbles backwards into this like excavation pit. Just oh, as then Peter. Peter the Panda, yeah. aforementioned Peter the Panda, set this up season one, episode seven. Remember, yep. he was from Seattle. He oh, shows yeah. up holding two coffees. And Doof is like, we definitely weren't on a coffee date up here. No way. He's See that coffee he's holding? It's not for me. I already have a coffee. And he picks up the chalice from the ground, not knowing what it is. And he just drinks it. And he's like... I, should, I shouldn't have drank in just a random chalice that I found. And then uh, he becomes cute. Yeah. he He's like, he turns like super chibi and he's like glowing pink with yeah. cuteness. And he's just got like very big meep eyes. And his, his <laughs> hair is like a little, like cute little brush. His outfit's turned into like little feety pajamas. Yeah. And he's, he's just overwhelming cute and his voice is like pitched very high and has like a little yeah. warble on it uh, yeah yeah and then uh big mitch big mitch finds him and uh the kids like snatch doof up and he's like kind of like acting like all cute and he is like they catch him in like a coffee cup because they were ex- excavating old coffee mm. shops uh and he's just rolling around in there and uh oh, da, 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 da. mitch there's, there's a there's a joke where Mitch picks up Doof and he's like, if you drank the Cutonium, you should have become completely irresistible. How homely were you before? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of Raz thrown at uh, at Dr. Doof this episode. There's also another episode where he uh, hits himself with a handsome ray. And yeah. he just lives the day being very handsome. And he sings a song about how handsome he is. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, it like wears off. Yep. Uh, oh yeah so the kids like scoop him up and they got dr doof in the ship and then mitch mitch gets in a ship and grabs their ship with tractor beam turns it upside down and shakes it and Mm -hmm. meep and uh cute doof go plummeting out and i think meep loses his mustache again and we cut to commercial break and we cut back and meep oh and then that that's then uh meep says We've certainly been falling for a long time. And Doof's like, really? A commercial joke? I'm going to die, and that's the last joke I'm going to hear? <laughs> and then he, and then Meep loses his mustache and lands on top of like the Space Needle. Which is one of the shots from the, the preview, yeah. And then when Meep's... Um, later, the kids swing by to pick up Meep in his spaceship, and he's got another backup mustache where he has a British accent. Uh, yeah. This time it's it's just Jeff Swampy Marsh doing a British accent. Yeah. It's not like Michael Caine or anything, but yeah. I love that the creators like actively do a lot of voices for their own show. Yeah. They're very good at it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mitch like swipes. Uh, oh, yeah. This is where like Peter and Perry were going to try and catch Dr. Duke before he falls. But Mitch comes yeah. in and, and swipes him. Yeah. And heads out. And then Peter and Perry follow. And yeah, now everyone's making a, a, a race to the Meep homeworld, and Meep mm-hmm. uh, has to send out a message to the homeworld, and there, we get like a nice little montage of all these cute Meep beings singing about going to war. We, 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 we are 
going to war. We're going to war. And they're just like, because this is a society built around everything cute. So they're just arming <laughs> themselves with like cotton candy and like just like little like gumdrop wands and getting in big yeah. tanks. And <laughs> yeah, and earlier one of the kids had asked Meep, like, how did Mitch escape? Didn't you guys like put him in prison or something when you caught him the first time? And Meep's like, we're cute based society. By law, the harshest punishment we can hand out is a long time out. <laughs> yep. So Mitch takes a cute doof to this evil fortress, uh, which is under the one ominous cloud on this otherwise cute planet. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'm going to take you to the extraction chamber and get all the cutonium out of you. And doof is like, you have a whole chamber just for extracting things. Yeah. And then then they do it. And he, and he's like, Ooh, I, I liked that. There were, there were parts of that. I rather enjoyed. I'll have to get extracted more often. I don't know what it is. It just cuts back and he's like, ah, soothing. Yeah. And then he's back to being normal, too. Yeah. And then Peter and Perry show up and they f- he's on like one of those like bond tables where a laser would be pointing yeah. at him. So they just like yeah. flip him up and his legs like kick out and they either like they hit Mitch or they hit the robots and they get him out of there. And, and he's uh, he's very ch- touched that his two enemies are working together to save yeah. him. Uh, and yeah, so while that's happening, uh, Mitch has finally like, oh, I've extracted all the cuteness finally, and he's all ready for it to like enter his body, and it works. Mm-hmm. And he he turns into this, I don't he turn, <laughs> I don't know how to explain this. It's got like huge he's... blue eyes and a big like Doctor Strange cape, but it's like a tiny yeah, like... little cotton swab body. <laughs> He's all eyes and eyelashes and a little smile. And his body is like so tiny and cute that you're right. He's just, he's just like a little cotton swab guy. With a, with a huge cape. Uh, right. He's still got his, his cape from his big Mitch suit. Yeah. Oh, and we learned that like Mitch is not a taller Meep. He's the same size Meep alien who's just in like a big robotic exoskeleton suit. Yeah. That he can kind of command to like walk around on its own. Which is maybe one of my favorite tropes. So I do love seeing that. Ah, uh, uh, that's good. But yeah, so uh, Meep is like, don't look directly at him. You're you're going to get lost in his eyes and, and you're not going to be able to like pry yourself away from his cuteness. So yeah, everyone... you have to look at him backwards in a mirror like a basilisk. Yeah, Medusa style. Phineas, of course, does looks right at him and gets transfixed on the spot. And in the background, the suit is just like chasing the kids back and forth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, just a sightless suit running around, bumping into things. Like the, what's the, the Futurama? Like the headless body of uh... Uh, Spiro Agnew. <laughs> yeah, just like, just chasing him around. Uh, mm-hmm. meanwhile the the war is happening and all those tanks roll up and they see this very cute mitch and they just fall right over like there's nothing they can do he's too cute yeah they they just sit down and admire him yeah as you should <laughs> yeah meanwhile uh doof and perry and peter the panda are like running away through through the uh, the evil fortress and I bet this was like somebody drew this in a storyboard and then later somebody wrote in the dialogue where Doof is like, you, you know what I'm learning about myself? I don't run as fast as a platypus, but I do run faster than a panda. Wow. 
Yeah. Amazing and he, what you learn about yourself in times of crisis. And then he, he turns a corner like, oh, come up, turn a corner up here. This is probably where the exit is. And then <laughs> doors open. And this is where I had to pause and take a moment as Balloony <laughs> comes out in like this like mech suit with like two <laughs> glowing, like two weapons with like glowing bits on either end, like a dark yeah. ball. Yeah, and he's just decked out and ready to corner and fight them. And Doof is right. just, 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 Doof is just crushed, just totally yeah. destroyed. So upset, right? And he's like trying to convince Balloony. No, Balloony, we were friends once. I, I drew a face on you. I sp- sprayed you with special lifelong lasting spray. You were my friend for years, Balloony. Please. And his his grief is enough that Balloony has a change of heart and he saves Doof from Mitch's battle robots. And he like throws Doof over his shoulder yeah. to like rescue him. But then one of the robots shoots and kills Balloony and he pops. And there's poor Doof holding this deflated balloon in his hands, crying. And he says, I can feel my heart popping. Yeah, it's, it's just a very... <laughs> Very somber moment. Yeah, I found the exact still. Uh, God, the screenshots of this show are wild out of context. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, meanwhile, uh, Phineas is still like transfixed on super cute Mitch. And mm-hmm. Isabel like stops him and like turns him around like, you have to get out. Of, you have to like get out of here. You have to get out of it. And he sees Isabella like shake her hair out or something. And yeah. he like slowly reverts back to normal. Like Isabella, thank you. You you got me out of there. You're the key. <laughs> I had to uh you know fix my cuteness detector to go around you because you are so cute. You can face him. You if you can get me out of it, you can you can kill Mitch or whatever. Yeah, uh, he says we've had a secret cute weapon all this time. You, Mitch is only cute on the outside, but your cuteness goes all the way to your core. And she says, you mean you think I'm cute? And he says, it's a scientifically proven fact. And there's a silence and she's like, I guess I'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) This is the only way Phineas can express love. Yeah. And she, you know, jumps down, lands on the platform where Mitch is and does the whole like hair flip like, hey, Mitch, what you doing? And Mm -hmm. And he just recoils and like, gets thrown against the wall with the cuteness and he and he gets the the eucutonomy gets sucked out of him and he just like deflates yeah. and he's and he's fine he's mm. back normal uh they go to meep and he's like oh thanks thanks for your help mitch will definitely get at least 16 17 minute long timeout guaranteed <laughs> and they all get uh get home and everyone's one and but we cut back to Doof's apartment. No, no. Just... But first, I want to first I want to say, yeah. like at the beginning of the episode, Mom had asked Candace to take out the trash, and she oh, walks yeah. outside and she like drops the bag there and starts talking to Phineas and Ferb. So the episode ends with uh, not the boys getting busted, but Candace getting busted for failing to take the trash out. Yeah. And then we cut to a sad Doof and Schwartz alone in his apartment. Yeah. There's like it's just no sound. It's just him in a chair, like in the dark. And then Perry like knocks and opens the door. And he's like, "Oh, hey, Perry the platypus. I'm sorry. I'm just not feeling very evil today. I'm sorry mm-hmm. I didn't have a nature ready for you." Uh, and then Perry opens the door wider, and he brings in Balloony with like a big bandaid on his head and he fills. 
and we get like a nice little doof and balloony like clip show of like them like having dinner and like uh going on adventures and it ends i think they're like riding a tandem bike together or like they're both in the basket of a hot air balloon and then i think it zooms out and it's a hot air balloon that looks like balloony yeah and these are all like a series of still images like we're seeing a photograph slideshow and then that hot air balloon crosses into the space needle and it's doof in the balloon basket, like face pressed against the window of the outside of the space needle. We're inside Peter and Perry are having dinner with each other. Yeah. And he's shocked. So <laughs> that's for next time, I'm sure. Oh, and what then a, what a get great capper. That's why I had us watch all three of these episodes to get to that punchline at the end. And then we get our credits. Hmm. And the credits is another preview for another hypothetical forthcoming Meep episode with all these random clips. Like Phineas turns around and he's like, Ferb, aren't those extinct? Oh, yeah. Jeremy's walking into a church. He pushes the door doors open and he says, as a matter of fact, I object to this union. Candace says, like, is that you? Like Philip the platypus. And it's just like (laughs) big, like, oh, like very fat platypus. Big nose. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jerry the platypus. Yeah, that's what it is. And then there, uh, <laughs> the announcer says, episode 41, Meep Me in St. Louis. And then it's Doof on a bus singing, I'm just a guy who's a sucker for the sounds of mass transit. Yeah. Which is uh, <laughs> a uh, Meep Me in St. Louis, uh, ding, ding, ding goes the trolley. <laughs> Again, oh. very subtle homage. Yeah. That, that makes more and sense. And we're... We're from St. Louis. I'm so bummed they never got around to making Meet Me in St. Louis. We don't have a little meep sitting on top of the arch. Mm-hmm. The, this show needs to continue strictly to give us this, uh, and for many other reasons. Oh yeah, and then at the end of the episode, uh, we see like the clips of the of the next episode, and we get that yeah. same clip that wasn't in this episode of like yeah. Meep and the little girl fighting and Doof is like, hey, where was that episode? Or where was that clip? And then the episode ends. <laughs> but that, that, that's where that clip was at the end of the episode yeah. for the next episode. Right. Yeah, and it's Meep fighting um, uh, Susie, who's like uh, Jeremy's little sister, yeah. who's like really nice to Jeremy and secretly like a big brat to Candace whenever they interact with each other one-on-one she's in a handful of episodes there's so many surrounding kids in the neighborhood that oh, yeah. pop up from time to time yeah and that was Phineas and Ferb it's a lot it's it's a, a dense program but it I is. think that means it's just high in value there's lots of visual gags one of my favorite visual gags there's an episode where um I think it's Skidly Whiffers, which is uh, Hmm. where the kids are obsessed with a board game called Skidly Whiffers. And they're like, why don't we just make it big? Why don't we make like every city block like a space on the board game? We'll make the board game city sized. I think that's what the main plot of the episode is. But Candace is trying to bust the boys and she runs in to tell mom and mom's like in the kitchen washing dishes. And mom turns around and she's just washing a human skull. (laughs) And then. There's not a line about this. It's not zoomed in on. It's exactly like she was washing a plate, but it's it's a human skull. So it's just weird little visual gags like that. There's there's voice cameos. I think the dialogue's really sharp. The music is so strong. There's a floating there's baby There's so much head. going on in this show. Oh my god, giant floating baby head, dream zebra, Klimpaloon, the magical old-timey bathing suit who lives in the Himalayas. 
There's so much. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, Phineas and Ferb. There's uh, there's 129 episodes, so you can probably find a good one. There's the Star Wars crossover, the Marvel crossover, yeah. the two movies. Yeah, definitely worth watch- watching the show. Yeah. And the Marvel one's a direct crossover, but the Star Wars one is just like they're in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Uh, which is fun. Isabella gets to be the Han Solo role, uh, and I'm very proud she gets to have that. <laughs> well deserved. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. This is gonna, this is a longer one because this is a giant yeah. and there's a lot going on. Uh, a lot to talk about. But thank you guys so much for listening. This was my pick. Uh, mm-hmm. Mel, the next episode we're releasing will be releasing around Halloween. So I think we both know what's coming next time. But why don't you tell us what we're watching next time? Uh, we are doubling up. We're doing two Saturday morning giants in a row. Because I thought we couldn't let this Halloween go by without celebrating a real legend, Courage the Cowardly Dog. Get ready. Better have some courage next time. Because we're going to be talking about (laughs) spooky stuff. Truly terrifying. Yeah. It'll also be our one year anniversary of the podcast. So, Oh, uh, yes, it will. What a better way to to talk about that than uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yeah, get ready for that next time. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you would like to help the show out, uh, you can send us suggestions of stuff to watch. You can email us at SaturdayMOPod at gmail.com or tweet us at SaturdayMOPod. Um, you could also help us by leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes or anywhere else where you can leave a rating and take a screenshot of your review and send it to us and we'll just totally read it on the show for you. Love to do that. Uh, if you'd like to talk to me on Twitter, I'm at James Wilk. Mel? I am on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyWit. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. And listen to my other podcasts on the Whatnots network of podcasts. I'm on the Review Show every week, which is a media review book club show. We talk about different movies, a season of a TV show, a couple graphic novels. Uh, I'm on the Captain's Log every week, which is our general nonsense chat show. And uh, I'm frequently on the Reactor Core, which is where we talk about brand new things. So as you're hearing this in mid-October, uh, we may, I don't, What If, Marvel's What If may have just wrapped up, I think, maybe. We've done an episode every week reacting to that. Uh, and you can look forward to us talking about the Eternals and Spider-Man. Yeah. There's a lot coming up and there's a lot of content to cover. So mm-hmm. go check that out. But overall, don't forget... To relax, kick back, it's Saturday. It's Saturday. Incorporated. Oh, take that! And that! Bury the platypus! I, I, uh... There's no one else here. I mean, what are you doing here, Perry the Platypus? (laughs) I have mice. I I wouldn't go in there if I were you. Perry the Platypus, I swear I've never seen this uh, secret agent-looking panda before. (laughs) <laughs> There's a panda in my closet and a panda paw print on my cheek. But, but it's not what you think. We're not enemies. We're, uh, we're just bad friends. <laughs> <laughs>